Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. This is Labor Day weekend. Labor Day is when we celebrate, you know, here in our country, all the incredible workers we have. We, most of us get Monday off, which, which is awesome. And I wanted to do a one-time message, and I, I had this message stirring in me, and I just titled it, Peace After the Storm. We're just going to talk about this subject of peace after the storm. A couple years ago, we had uh, a terrible storm here in Mahoning Valley, uh, and our power went off at our house, and my sump pump's battery backup failed, and part of my basement was just absolutely flooded. And it was part of my basement that had drywall on the walls and carpet on, on the floor and a drop ceiling, and it had all kinds of weightlifting equipment and exercise equipment that I accumulated over all these years. And I remember walking in, seeing the water on, on the ground and seeing the drywall wet, and my heart absolutely sunk. But thankfully, thankfully, my insurance took care of it, I called in a company, and do you know they made that room look better than it was before all of that happened? And when I, when I think about the storms of life, you know, those events that hit us, not natural storms, but all those problems you and I can face as we walk through life, wouldn't it be cool if we could call a company? Wouldn't it be cool if we could just call a company and say, hey, I need you to come over, grind all the scars off my heart, and sweep up the anxieties and the fears and the hurt that's in my heart, that would be absolutely awesome if there was such a company. I don't know about you, but I'd call them often to come take care of that for me. And the problem is there isn't such a company, but the good news is that you and I can literally do that very thing if we understand that the scriptures promise us peace after the storm, peace in the storm, peace all the time. So we're going to talk about peace. Now, when, when you study the subject of peace in the Bible, if you were to do a search, uh, the word peace is found in the Bible 790 times. And if you were to categorize peace in the Bible, uh, guess, guess how many categories you'd come up with? Only three. There's just three categories. So all 790 times, those verses would go under one of three categories. So we're going to talk about, just real quick, the three uh, types of peace and the third one is what we'll deal with today, but the first type of peace is what I call spiritual peace. It's just referring to peace with God. And Jesus said in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, he said, I have come to make peace between God and man. And we have peace with God when we accept Christ as our Savior. And so when you and I say, Jesus, I believe in you, I believe you died, I'm going to follow you, all of a sudden, not only are our sins washed away, which is cool, not only do we receive eternal life, which is cool, but the wall between us and God is broken down. And this is an incredible type of peace. Not talking about it today, but some of the 790 would, would go under there. Here's the second type. It's called relational peace. It's referring to peace with others. And think about all your close relationships. Isn't it just terrible? Doesn't it stink? when there's not peace in a relationship, you know, when Gina misbehaves and it takes me a while to get her back on course. I mean, that's no fun when we don't have peace because of some, you know, she's acting up. And, and, uh, but thankfully, you know, eventually I get her right back where she needs to be. Yeah, right. So it's no fun. It's no fun. And you know what? When we're not in peace with people, 
it, it then bleeds into this third one. And the third one is what I'm calling emotional peace. And this is referring to peace within us. And this is the type of peace we want to talk about today, having peace within us. And I want to show you what the Bible has to say about this incredible thing called peace. And here's what I want you to walk out. Here's my goal. I want you guys to remember this. Walk out of here understanding it. It's real simple. You can experience peace while you're picking up the pieces. And, and that's true. And you know what? Some of us go through some crazy storms, and it's nice to know we can experience peace while we're picking up the pieces. But peace is also something that if we don't learn how to walk in it, everyday life, even when it's not a storm, can take us out of peace. And so we're all going to learn something today that's going to change our lives forever. Now, here's what I love about peace. The Bible calls it a gift from heaven. It literally came from heaven. It's not of this earth. And I want you to listen to what Jesus said, John 14, 27. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus is telling them, I'm going to go. He's telling them, I'm going to die. They don't understand anything that he's saying except he's leaving. So now he's looking at him and saying, guys, listen, I'm going to leave you my peace. This is a peace we didn't have before he came. And the Greek word here translated as peace, it won't be on a test. You don't have to remember it. But it's the Greek word irene. You know what it means? A state of undisturbed, untroubled well-being. It's an incredible word. And it's referring to us on the inside having this state of untroubled, undisturbed well-being. And I don't think there's one of us in this room that wouldn't love to walk in this type of peace. This is an incredible piece. Listen to uh, how the Living Bible translates this verse, and we, we pick up some more clues. John 14, 27, in Living, he says, I'm leaving you a, uh, with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give isn't fragile like the peace of this world, so don't be troubled or afraid. I like the fact he calls it a gift. So when you accepted Christ, you received the gift of eternal life, you received... Um, you know, the gift of, of salvation, the gift of the Holy Spirit, but you also received another gift. It's called peace. It's not of this world. And did you notice what he said? It's not fragile like this world's peace. The peace that this world gives us, it's all dependent on circumstances. So if circumstances go out of whack, the peace leaves. If circumstances are where they need to be, we can have peace for a little bit. But that peace doesn't even stick around when life is doing well. It just comes and it goes. It's unstable. I thought this was an incredible, incredible fact. Uh, many of us know who Harrison, I think all of us know who Harrison Ford is. He's the actor whose movies have grossed over two billion dollars. And he made this comment. He said, you only want what you ain't got. That's a comment that he made. And I got to thinking about him. Do you know that in 2008 alone, his movies, the royalties from just his movies, not his acting, just his movies that they replayed on TV, his royalties were $65 million in 2008. That's, that's amazing. Now, after Uncle Sam, Uncle State, Uncle City, Uncle Local Government, after they took theirs, of course, he probably had less than half of that. But think about him. He's said to be worth over $200 million. So good-looking guy, famous as, just as famous as you can be, successful, 
super wealthy, and he said, I always want what I ain't got. So listen to this. Here's what they asked. Uh, so they went on to ask this question. What is it you don't have at this time in your life? And here was his answer. I don't have peace. I think that's a phenomenal statement. And that's something you and I can learn from. He says, I don't have peace. And that's because this world can't give you peace. And there's nothing wrong with being famous. There's nothing wrong with having lots of money. There's nothing wrong with anything like that. But the idea is it won't give you peace. It can only come, it's a gift from Jesus. But can we all agree that as Christians, it doesn't automatically just show up in our lives? And obviously, it's like we, we kind of have to do something to experience it. It's, it's ours. We have to do something to experience it. So I stand before you as an example. Listen, guys, this is, this is good news. There's not one of you in this room that can't walk in peace because if I can walk in peace, everybody in this room can walk in peace. And I'll just give you a little bit of my history, okay? Um, Gina and I were married in 83. I was 24, she was 20. And we're in that first year of marriage. And in that first year of marriage, man, I, Gina found out she got some things she didn't sign up for. And, and uh, I was just an anxious always worrying guy, just a little OCD, a little ADD. And when we sat down to eat, I would stand up and eat. And she'd sit there and say, why don't you sit with me? I'm like, no, no, I'm just standing up and eating. I'm so intense and I'm so anxious and I'm worrying about this and I'm worrying about that. And then I think about this. And she just, she just couldn't believe the anxiety that I walked in. Now, I'm a Christian. I just graduated from Bible school, but I am walking in a state of no peace all the time. And I know Jesus loves me, and I love Jesus. So Gina, her and I both are Italian heritage. So, uh, you know, her grandparents were born in Italy. My mom was born in Italy. My dad's grandparents, my dad's parents were born in Italy. And the Italians have a word that they use. And uh, if their stomach's upset or if they're anxious, they have this word, and it's, it's Southern Italian dialect, and, and the word is agita. So I'd hear my mom and dad, my grandparents, if, if they were upset, they'd go, I've got agita, I've got agita, honey, agita. And, and so Gina knows this, I know this, and I share that to say this, that one day I'm pacing and I'm anxious and I'm, everything's upsetting me. She gave me a name. Can you believe that? And the name she gave me was Agita Man. And she just said, from this day forward, I'm calling you Agita Man. And you know, she began to call me Agita Man every single day after that. And she drove me to prayer like you cannot believe. And, and, I, and I would go to prayer and I'd say, God, I hate to admit it. I know I haven't been married a year. This is hard to admit, but my wife's correct. And uh, I, I would say, but Lord, I know she's right, but I don't have a clue. I have no idea how to walk in peace. And, and I say, Jesus, I love you so much. I'm so thankful for what you've done. I'm trying my best, but I'm just anxious about everything. And that drove me to just find out in the Bible, if Jesus gave me a gift, how can I walk in it? It just drove me to figure it out. And I love what this scripture says. This scripture really helped me at that time in my life. Colossians 3.15 says this, And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Now the latter part's talking about us living in peace with each other. 
You can't have that until the first part of the verse happens in your life. And listen to the first part of the verse. It says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. The word let means allow. So you and I have to do something to allow that peace to rule in our hearts. We, we have to do something. And if we don't do something, it's not going to rule. The word rule literally means to dominate, to control. So this is good news to me because I'm figuring out, hey, there must be something I can do to allow this to rule. This is that irene, an undisturbed, untroubled state of well-being. And the Bible says we have to let it. We have to allow it to rule. So I went on a journey. I began to figure some things out. And I want to help teach these five principles today. There's just five simple principles. And I'm going to teach them based out of a story uh, that's connected to King David. You know, the Bible says King David was a man after God's own heart. But then he, he made some mistakes. He had an adulterous affair. And, and then after he had the adulterous affair with Bathsheba, he wanted to get rid of her husband so he could marry her. So he had him killed on the battlefield. And God came to him and through the prophet and God dealt with him. And thankfully, David repented. He repented. And through it all, uh, she had a baby. The baby was born. But then the baby became sick and the baby is near death. So David did what every one of us in this room would do. David fasted and he prayed for the baby. And I can, I can imagine what he did because I'm a, I'm a parent. And I could imagine him crying out to God saying, God, forgive me. God, don't hold this against the baby. God, save this baby. God, take me. Let the baby live. I'm sure as a parent, he was throwing everything up there to God that he could possibly throw up to God. And guess what happened? The baby died. And right after that baby died, there's five things David did, and it's the five principles that God taught me, and I want to help you see them today. And this only happens every now and then. I actually have it happening in, 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 a, in a future series, but very seldom, once or twice a year, maybe at most, I come up with an acrostic to help us remember. And I came up with an acrostic for this, and the, the, the acrostic is erase. That's pretty cool. I think that will help us remember because if you and I, if, if we... Can, we can erase anxieties, fears, and hurts that the storms of life bring if we just simply work these five principles. So let's take a look at what each of these letters stand for. Uh, the E stands for embrace. The R stands for release. The A stands for accept. S stands for seek. And E stands for engage. Now, obviously, we're going to find out what do we embrace, what do we release, what do we accept, etc. So let's talk about embrace first. And here, here's the here's first thing we have to do if we want to walk in peace after the storm. If we want to have peace while we're picking up the pieces, we have to embrace hope. And David did this. L listen, listen to what it says in 2 Samuel 12, 23. He says, I will go to him one day, but he cannot return to me. He embraced hope. You know, the people all around him were shocked. Because right after he heard the baby died, he got up. And we'll see all the things he did in just a moment as we go through each of these. But they're like looking at him saying, are you okay? And, and, and he said this. He said, I'll go to him someday. What did he do? He embraced hope. Now, I want to talk about when loved ones die for a moment. But then I want to talk about any time we have a storm hit our life. Anytime something's out of whack and control in our life. I want to talk about how you and I need to embrace hope. And I want to give you some hope 
as we do that. So if you're here and you've lost someone, you know, recently, I hope to encourage you. I realize there's a grieving time. I understand grief. And David had to go through the grieving process, but he also worked these five principles right during that time. So here's the first thing I want to help us understand, that when a Christian dies, when one of our loved ones dies, that the relationship's going to continue. It's not over. It's just not over. And that's really important. I picked this verse, Revelation 21.4. It says, Jesus will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Now, this is a powerful verse. This is actually talking about after Jesus comes back to the earth and all of us are with him. But this happens every time one Christian goes to heaven. And I think it's so cool, and it always helps me when a loved one leaves the earth to know that any pain they had, any sorrow they had, any crying that went on as they died, it's so awesome to know that they get up to heaven and Jesus wipes all their tears away and they'll never suffer again, they'll never die again, they'll never feel pain again. That really helps me. But you know, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 teaches us, this is really important. Paul's talking about when a Christian dies and, and we no longer have them and he, he says this, the first thing he says is, he says, we should not grieve as the world grieves. There's, so there's two types of grief. The way the world grieves is this relationship's over, I'll never see them again. He says, we shouldn't grieve that way. Why? Well, he goes on to say, we have hope. And he says, we shouldn't grieve like the world grieves because there's coming a day when we're going to be reunited. And it's really important for you and I as Christians to, to embrace that hope. If we don't embrace that hope, we're not going to have God be able to release the peace. So David immediately embraced that hope, and David just said, hey, I'm going to see him again. I'm going to go to him. And, and I, I realize that, and I embrace it. Now, how about when it's not something where, you know, a loved one dies, but it's just dealing with everyday life? Let's say you or I get knocked down. Life knocks us back. It knocks us down. Life hurts us. Here's something really important to understand, guys. You and I as Christians are made to bounce back. God's created us to bounce back. Listen to this verse. Proverbs 24, 16 says this. No matter how many times you trip them up, God-loyal people don't stay down long. Soon they're up on their feet while the wicked end up flat on their faces. This is a promise. The Bible teaches us that godly people can trip seven times and every time they're going to get back up. And it's important for you and I to understand that no matter what's come through our life, no matter how bad we think we're devastated, and I'm not saying it shouldn't hurt, I'm not saying it's not going to have pain connected to it, but one of the first things you want to do is embrace hope. And you want to know this, God always helps us get back up. God always puts our life back together. God wants to pick you back up. God wants to put your life back together. And that's important for us to understand. Even when we haven't gone through a problem, isn't that what causes most anxiety? Isn't that what causes most fear? What if this happens? What if that happens? And it's important to know that no matter what happens, God has a promise given to you and I as Christians. He's going to pick us back up and put our life back together. That's something the world doesn't have, and that releases peace. Uh, I think it's important to realize that Everyone in this room has a bright future. Listen to this verse. Proverbs 23, 17 says this. Don't envy evil men, but continue to reverence the Lord all the time, for surely you have a wonderful future ahead of you. There is hope for you yet. 
And if you're like me, some of you are probably in here like me. I'm a real stickler for context. So, you know, I have to know what's the context, who's, who's he actually talking to, and I want to help you out because you know in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, when it comes to promises, this is a promise. The Bible says that every promise in the Bible is yes for those of us that are Christians, and it says we should go on and say amen. We have to claim promises and say, I'm going to say amen to that promise. Every promise in the Bible belongs to us. Now, there are some that are specific, like, for instance, when God told the the Jewish people, I'm going to give you the land of Canaan. He didn't promise me that. I can't claim that I'm a Jew and, and Israel belongs to me and that's my land. I can't do that. That's a specific promise. But when you get into general ones, guys, this is incredible. God is saying to you and I that he has created something good. He's given us an incredible future. And as you go through life, you have to make sure you embrace hope. And if you embrace hope, it gives peace an opportunity to come. Here's the second thing uh, we have to do. We have to release anxieties. And this is what I was really bad at when I was first married, releasing anxieties. Now, David, he had so many people betray him over and over again. And I, I want to show you what he, he said. This is Psalm 5520. And he says this, this friend of mine betrayed me. I who was at peace with him. I didn't do anything to him. He broke his promises. Verse 21, his words were oily smooth, but in his heart was war. His words were sweet, but underneath were daggers. Now, I'm sure there's a few of you that could stand up and say, I had that friend. And, and sometimes that happens. Sometimes we're betrayed. Sometimes we have relational breakdowns and meltdowns. Sometimes they're ugly. Sometimes they're not as ugly. But listen to what he, listen to what he goes on to say. Very famous. The next verse, verse 22. Give your burdens to the Lord. He will carry them. He will not permit the godly to slip or fall. Now, this is what's quoted in 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your cares on the Lord. Peter was quoting this verse. And the context of the verses is, is amazing. You know, even in the midst of betrayal, he says, I can cast my cares on the Lord. Think about David. David was an assistant. His job was to work for King Saul. He was his assistant. And he was very close to King Saul. And King Saul two times picked up a spear and tried to, tried to nail David to the wall and kill him with the spear. And David had to run for his life. And David's being chased all over by King Saul and the army of Israel. And he's running for his dear life. That's betrayal. His own son tried to kill him and take his kingdom. That's betrayal. And David gives us a secret here. He did it when the baby died. He did it over and over again. He released anxieties. And that's a, that's a wonderful thing that I had to learn to do. I like to say it this way, release equals peace. And you and I are never going to experience peace until we release anxieties. So here's a really famous scripture. This is one I learned to live by, and I use it every day of my life. Philippians 4, 6, it says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation... By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. This is release. This is casting your care on the Lord. And it can go a million different ways. You don't have to be a Bible seminary graduate. You don't have to know the Bible really well. This is really simple. And God likes us to be real. You know, there's a bunch of the Psalms that David wrote. They're called Psalms of Lamentation. And in essence, what he says in these Psalms is, God, my life stinks, man. Everything's going crazy bad. 
And he's just real with God. I think it's important to be able to be real with God. He goes, God, my life stinks. And he says, this is happening, that's happening. But then he takes the next step, and he says, I'm going to cast this on you, Lord God. Now, this is all about just saying, God, I don't know what to do. God, my heart's broken. God, I'm so fearful. I lost my job. I don't know where my next paycheck's coming from. God, I'm going into a new school this year, and, and I remember all, all of that anxiety when I went to junior high for the first time, met all these new kids, and then high school. I remember all those anxieties, and you can say, Lord, I want to give this to you. Lord, I need wisdom, and Lord, I need your peace, and it's amazing what happens. Listen to the very next verse. The very next verse, verse 7 says this, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, we know verse 7 doesn't happen unless you do verse 6. If you do verse 6, verse 7 happens. That's irene, the state of undisturbed, untroubled well-being. And listen to what it says, the peace of God which transcends. Transcends means to supersede. So it supersedes your understanding. Your mind's telling you you should be worried, you should be biting your nails, you should be pulling your hair out. And here you are just at peace and at rest, and that's supernatural. We're not denying reality but it's supernatural. And notice it says that this rises up, supersedes our thoughts and all the fears, and it guards our hearts and our minds. This is what Ajita man learned to do. And this, this calmed Ajita man down. And you ask people that know me, they'll tell you today, you will not see stress on me. I, I refuse to allow stress in my life. I walk in peace. And if I can do it, Everybody in this room can walk in peace because it's easy. So we embrace hope, we release anxieties, then we have to accept reality. This is really important, accepting reality. Now, I've failed a few times since I've learned these principles, and I'm going to share one of those times with you. Um, and and I, I want to make sure I help all the young people out. I don't want anybody to go out of here uh, thinking the wrong thing. So when my daughters were young, of course, when they were first born, I said they wouldn't date till they were 50. And, and then, of course, it com comes down as they get older. One of my kids were going into junior high. My daughters wanted to know, when can we date? So I sat them down. I said, listen, girls, you have a dysfunctional father. So I want you to know up front, I'm very dysfunctional in this particular area. I was sexually active in sixth grade, okay? Very dysfunctional father. And if you date before I'm ready, I will have a nervous breakdown and you're going to lose your father. And, 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 they, and I'm serious. I mean, I'm serious. My wife is totally, my, Gina thought totally different. She thought I was just too, too uptight on this. But I said, honey, if, if I don't set this rule, I, I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. So I told him, I'm not going to allow you to date until you're 18. And, and so my girls never, they never resented me. They were never angry because they understood my dad loves me. He's dysfunctional. At least I understand why he's doing this to me. And, and so they were okay with it. My poor daughter, Deanna, Deanna turned 18 in October of her senior year. And she said, Dad, I'm 18. I'm going to date. I said, no, 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 no. 18 or out of high school. I said, you didn't, she goes, you didn't say that. I said, I'm saying it now. I'm saying it now. So, so. So then they, they're going to go on their dates, and, and the first dates, man, at when, and, and I, think, I think they were like 20 on their first date, but uh, I, I was Ajita man times 10. I'm telling you, 
I walked around. The entire time they were on the date, I, I paced. And Gina's laughing at me. And she goes, she goes, I've watched the most terrible things happen to you, and you're at peace. She said, I've never seen you out of peace this bad. And I'm just pacing. She goes, why don't you sit down? I go, my daughter's holding hands with a boy. My daughter's alone with a boy. I'm like a nervous wreck. And so she threw a movie quote at me. And the movie quote came from Father of the Bride. And if you haven't seen Father of the Bride, I typically only like movies where people are getting shot. But uh, <laughs> seriously, I watch very thing, little things other than that. So, so, but Father of the Bride, it's incredible. So Steve Martin, Diane Keaton, uh, you know, he, he's, he's the dad, she's the mom. So she's Nina and he's George. And his daughter is engaged to be married and he's like me, he's not accepting it and he's pacing, and he's upset, and at one point there in the movie, she had a quote, and the quote was this, it's happening, George, it's happening. So I'm pacing on my daughter's date, and then Gina just goes to that movie, and she does that quote, and she just says, it's happening, George, it's happening. And I'm telling you, it brought peace, and that's what I'm talking about, accepting reality. I I said, yeah, I, I guess they're going to date, aren't they? Yeah, they're going to date, Joe. And, and I accepted reality at that point, and accepting reality brought peace. And you and I have to accept reality in every area of our life. There's times when this week, next week, in the future, I want you to just say to yourself, it's happening, George. It just, it happened. You can't change it. You can't reverse it. It is what it is. Listen, listen to what David did. Second, Second Samuel 12, 22, the Bible says this. David replied, I fasted and wept while the child was alive, for I said, perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me and let the child live. They're asking him, why, why, why are you so at peace now? He said, well, when the child was alive, I sought God. But then listen to verse 23. He says, but why should I fast when he's dead? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, and we use that for embracing hope. But then listen, he goes on to say, but he cannot return to me. Notice how he accepted reality. He said, can I bring him back? He said, I can't bring him back to me. He's not coming back. And you and I have to accept whatever's happened in our life, it's happened. It's, it's done. You can't reverse it. And we just accept it. And, and when David did that, it brought incredible peace to David. It's something he did that helped him heal after he lost something really, really precious to him. And I don't know about you, but, but I struggle. I struggle with accepting reality sometimes, but I've learned, hey, I don't know why it happened. I don't know if it was my fault. I don't know if it was their fault. I don't know who to blame. I don't know if I could have done something different. Who cares? I am at where I'm at. That's where I'm at. So now I'm going to just live with this. I'm going to accept reality. Here's the next one. We need to seek God. And David, David did this. This one's tough. I don't know how you guys are, but it's tough for me because I know all the right things not to say. So I would never say I'm mad at God or God, where were you? I just know not to say that, but I am dealing with it in here sometimes, you know, and uh, I don't know how you are, but I've had to deal with it at times when an event happens. And it's kind of like, so, so what I do um, and I don't know if you've ever done this, and, I, and I've grown where I'm not doing it now, but I've done it many times. It's where I kind of say, like, God, you know, I don't want to talk for a week or two. And I, I just, 
I just don't want to talk to God. I, 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 don't, I don't want to pray. I don't want to worship. I basically want to put Pandora 70s rock, rock on and just listen to rock music. It's like, last thing I want to do is listen to worship music. And it's kind of like, I'm kind of mad at you, God. I'm not allowed to say that, but I'm just, I'm just going to put a wall up between us. And that's so easy for you and I to do. You know, I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to read my Bible. I'm not going to worship because we're hurt by the event. And we wonder, God, why didn't you come through for us? And David could have done that because he prayed, he fasted, he tried his best. But listen to what, listen to what David did, 2 Samuel 12, 20. Then David got up from the ground, washed himself, put on lotion, and changed his clothes. And everyone said, thanks, Dave, for doing that. And then it goes on and says, he went to the tabernacle and worshiped the Lord. After that, he returned to the palace and was served food, and he ate. I think this is fascinating. What did David do? He said, I need to go to the tabernacle and worship God. I bet he didn't feel like it, guys, just like I said. I bet he didn't feel like it, but he did. But here's why we do it. Here's why, here's why we seek God after the storm so peace can come. But watch this. Psalm 73, 16 says this. When I tried to figure it out, all I got was a splitting headache until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I saw the whole picture. That's pretty cool. And what he's telling us is that when we seek God, God's going to speak something to our heart. God's going to take us to a higher level as far as our vision, and he's going to allow us to see some things that will just set us free, and those things will bring us peace. And that's what happens when you seek God. So, you know, today we had a great worship session here at the beginning of service, and during times like that, God speaks to our heart, and God opens our, our eyes. When we read our Bibles, God does that, and David says, Hey, the choice is a splitting headache or seeing the whole picture. And he says, when you, when you go to God, God's going to be able to show you the entire picture. Now, here's, here's the next thing that he did, the last and final thing. He engaged life, and he just got himself right back into life. He found out that half his army was fighting a battle. And listen to what he did in 2 Samuel 12, 29. The Bible says, so David gathered the rest of the army and went to Rabha, and he fought against it and captured it. David said, you know what? I'm a king. The king goes, goes to war. I know I just had a storm hit my life, but I'm going to go engage life, and I'm going to go fight a battle. Did you see how God was with him? Now, isn't it true after a, a storm or an event hits our life, isn't it true it's like you, you want to go into veggie mode and and I do want to say there's a season where you need to veg out sometimes after events. So I understand the whole grieving process and healing process. But, you know, I, I know myself, there's times when I want to get up, I don't want to take a shower, I don't want to shave, and I just want to veg out, watch a movie, watch something on TV. That's okay. But you don't want to stay in that state too long. You need to engage life. And the reason you need to engage life is remember what we learned. Remember God's not done with you. Remember, God wants to do incredible things in your life. And I want to end with this thought. This is an incredible verse of Scripture out of Isaiah 43, 18. And it reads like this. Forget about what's happened, and don't keep going over old history. And, and, and that's releasing anxiety. It's just let it go. But listen to verse 19. Be alert, be present. I, God, am about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert, rivers in the badlands. So here's what God's saying. He's saying, guys, I already taught you to leave it go, 
but now let's embrace life. And he's saying, man, if you embrace life, I want you to know something. He says, I'm going to do something new. I have some new things bursting out. And I like this. He says, you may feel like you're in a desert, but I'm going to build a road and I'm going to pull you right out of that desert. He says, you think you're in the badlands and you don't have water, you don't have substance. He says, I'm going to bring a river to you. And what he's telling us to do is, I love what he says here, be alert, be present. He's saying it's time to engage life. Let's go after it. And he says, you may think it's hopeless, but I'm going to do something new. It's going to blow your mind. I'm going to become involved. I'm going to pick you back up. I'm going to change things. And here's what I noticed. When I work these five principles, it begins to erase all kinds of anxieties, fears. When I go through something tough, I've learned, all right, I need to erase it, man. I need to embrace. I need to release. I need to do all these things and just let peace come in. And my heart for every one of us in this room is that we walk in peace every day, but also when that storm comes and something torments you because of what happened, you're able to wash it away like David did, and you're able to come up to a place to where you let God do something. He's going to pick you up. He's going to do something new, and every one of us in this room can have hope in every area of our life, and that's something to be thankful for, guys. I want to pray right now. Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. Let's be thankful, and, and let's pray. Uh, Lord, I thank you for every person in this room. I've done my best to open up this part of the Bible, Lord God. And Lord, if there's anyone here that's just come through some crazy storms, the first thing we do, all of us in this room, is we pray for them. Lord, our prayer is minister life to them, minister peace to them. But Lord, every one of us in this room, thank you for what we learned today. And Lord, any of us here that are carrying any burdens, we want to take an opportunity to release those and give those anxieties to you. So guys, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you can think of something right now, that you've been carrying that the Bible says you don't have to carry. I want you right now to just say, God, I'm giving this to you. You can whisper it. No one has to hear you. God, I'm giving you this. God, this, this thing is making me full of anxieties. It's causing me to be full of fear. God, I'm giving this to you. Just go ahead and cast that burden on the Lord. Let go of it. Say, it's yours. And, and you know what the Bible promises. You're going to begin to experience it. The peace that supersedes your understanding is going to rise up. It's going to guard and protect your hearts. Some of you need to grab onto hope. You need to say, Lord, I'm going to focus on that hope right now. Some of you need to accept reality. Just say, okay, I understand that. It's happening. It happened. I'm going to let it go. Some of you need to say, Lord, I'm going to seek you this week. I'm going to seek you. And some of you need to engage life again and say, hey, I'm engaging life. I'm not going to stay in this spot. I'm going to allow you, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, let's stay in an attitude of prayer. Before we go, I want to give an opportunity for anyone that might be with us that hasn't received that first type of peace, peace with God. And the only way to receive it is through Jesus Christ. Listen very carefully. I'm not asking you to join our church or a religion right now. I'm not asking you if you're a member of a Christian church, if you grew up in a Christian church, if you were water baptized as a baby or an adult. All those are really good things. Here's what I'm asking. 
Can you remember a moment in your life when you from your heart said, Jesus, I realize you're the Savior. I accept you as my personal Savior and make a decision to follow you today. Can you remember that moment in your life? If you can't, here's my question for you. If you believe in Jesus, you say, Pastor Joe, my heart's touched. I believe he died for me. I see it today. My heart's open. You say, Pastor Joe, I want to pray and accept him. Would you pray with me right now? Everyone else in the room, would you help them out? Just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe. And I make a decision to follow you. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.